Leading in worship. Boy, their countenances, you can tell they know God, right? Yeah. When they sing those songs, they mean it from their heart, right? Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of times I just look at the screen, but what I'm really blessed is when I look at their faces. You know, as we were looking at that, I was singing some of those songs. This is going to be an easy passage to preach. First sermon I said, this is going to be a tough one to preach because I had to take it through my life all week. Well, this one's going to be a lot easier because really, we're just talking about the cross. It begins at the cross, it ends at the cross. And everything in between is the cross. You got Peter. And God says, follow me. Says it at the beginning when he drops the nets. Says it at the end when Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. And everything in between is carry that cross. It's bloody. It's heavy. You'll get splinters if you're not careful. It's a great command that God gives to us, but there's nothing short of it. How big is it? It's as big as Jesus Christ. How bloody is it? As much blood as Jesus shed. And we'll be shedding blood too, plus some tears. You look at Luke chapter 14, you cannot dismiss this passage and call yourself a believer in Jesus Christ. I've come to the conclusion that this is the toughest passage maybe I have ever preached on in my life. How can anyone stand up in a pulpit before others without saying, hey, have I borne the cross? Do I hate my family in comparison to my love for Jesus Christ? Am I willing to give my house in Cooper Landing? Oh, that's the tough one. How about a soccer ball? Yeah, we'll talk about soccer balls today. Talk about everything you own. Whatever's in your wallet. Whether you have a lot, whether you have little. Jesus Christ demands every single thing that we have. He demands our life. He demands our possessions. He demands to stand as mediator between him and you. And he also stands between you and every single relationship you have. We'll talk about sodium chloride. Oh boy, I'm in trouble. Mrs. Fancher's here. All right. Well, let's read. Luke 14. Luke chapter 14. And let's look at verse 25 to 35. Jesus speaks for about 45 seconds, but after he's done, in less than a minute, it'll change your life forever. No one in this building can read Luke chapter 14, 25 to 35, and walk away and say, I'm not going to do it. Please don't say that. Please don't say that. If you came to the cross for salvation, keep coming to the cross for discipleship. Luke chapter 14, verse 25. Great multitudes were going along with him. He turned and said to them. How dramatic was that? Not just a multitude, not just a great multitude, but great multitudes. It's, it's, it's growing. And if you're in the back of the line, you're, getting a, you're eating a lot of dust. Yeah, you've seen a person just healed of dropsy. Which, by the way, my daughter didn't even know what dropsy was. She's a nurse at Liberty, so don't ever go to Liberty. <laughs> not really. Not, not really. Go to Liberty. It's a great school. But make sure you know what dropsy is. Apparently, it's when you have a stomach full. I mean, you have a lot of, you're retaining a lot of water. It was also probably in his uh, lungs, chest cavity. 
they're looking at this as being terminal. They've just seen that. He gave a magnificent story because he's the master storyteller. And the crowds are growing. Too many. He's going to cut the ranks. All he needs is one. Just needs you. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. He's not looking for votes. He's the true Messiah. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who observe it begin to ridicule him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. What king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and take counsel, whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against it with 20,000? Or else... While the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks terms of peace. Therefore, no one of you can be my disciple, who does not give up all he owns. Therefore, salt is good, but if even salt has become tasteless, what will it be seasoned? It is useless either for the soil or for the manure pile it is thrown out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Meaning, if you're listening to these words... Take them to heart. Put them to practice. You know, uh, I heard this story from Billy Graham in Urbana many, many years ago. True story. Korean War. North Koreans enter this small farming village in South Korea. They occupy it. Missionary had been there many years before. Almost the entire village were believers. It was like a spiritual revival. They were leading their friends and their family to Christ. And so when these North Koreans entered the village, they herded everybody into the church. And they said, we're going to execute you all unless you deny Jesus Christ. So they all had to line up. They yanked a picture off the wall, threw it on the ground, and they said, spit on it. If you don't, you're dead. The first was a deacon. Shame-faced, he'd been a leader in the church. Spat on the picture of Christ. Second was a man, third was a man, fourth was a man, all spitting. The fifth was a teenage girl. Tears streaming down her cheeks. She looked at it for several moments. Then she reached down from the ground, picked it up, wiped it on her dress and said, Shoot me, I'm ready to die for Christ. Soldier lifted his rifle, couldn't squeeze the trigger. They ushered everybody out except for the four. They heard four shots. They said, you know, if you're going to deny Jesus Christ that easily, you'll deny our ideology. That's called costly Christianity. We heard last week Bonhoeffer gave his life. Didn't have to go to Germany. He returned to his native soil. And when he returned there, he was encouraging believers in Christ who were being persecuted because they believed that Jesus was higher than Hitler. He was put in a concentration camp, and then the Gestapo had one of their interviews, 
But he didn't budge. And Himmler made sure that he was hung to death just days before the camp was liberated. Are you willing to give your life for Jesus Christ? A cross takes on a different significance when you realize what he did for us. You know how much blood was shed on that cross? He was almost bone dry. No wonder someone else had to pick up the cross because he couldn't go any further. And he was a stud. If you want to talk about Jesus Christ physically, carpenter, they're strong men. Physically, he gave everything. And then he gave his blood. Why? Well, he gave his blood because if you come to the blood of Christ and you dip your hand in the blood of Christ and you put it right here in your heart, you're saved. If you're sitting here this morning and you have not experienced the forgiveness of sins, there is a huge weight on your shoulders. Doesn't need to be there anymore. Christ shouldered it all. All he asks us to do is with grateful hearts pick up our cross, our own cross, and follow him. I've heard people say, oh, I have quite a cross to bear. Well, maybe. Like Joni Erickson Tata, quadriplegic. Yeah, that's quite a cross to bear. But think of it this way. You have terminal illness. You have dropsy. Just lost a life partner. Crushed in spirit. What a wonderful platform to bring glory to Jesus Christ. He'll squeeze you. It's not pretty to be crucified. John Hunn spoke at 3D a few weeks back. And he said, I won't even use the word excruciating anymore because it has to do with the cross. It never was a word until the cross, crucifixion of Christ. I won't even use it anymore. If I turn my ankle and it's excruciating, I'll say, hey, it hurts a lot. <laughs> Instead. The wonder of this passage is the fact that he gives us the honor and privilege to carry the cross and follow him. I'm tired of alongsiders. That's the English version of this when it says great multitudes were going along with him. I'm tired of going alongers and I'm tired of people who are accompanying Jesus Christ. It's such a polite word. It gives me the idea of outstretched arm, arm, don't let me get too close. That's cheap grace. Costly grace is that I may know him in the power of resurrection and the fellowship of sufferings being conformed to his death. You talk about Jesus Christ, we all like to talk about the resurrection, the power we experience. Well, what about the cross? What about the sufferings of Jesus Christ? We don't want to talk about thorns. We just want roses. You'll never be a follower. You'll be a tag-alonger. I don't want to be a tag-alonger. And you know what? I've got to say to myself, with my finger pointing right at me, it's my fault. It's my fault. How many people have I led to Jesus Christ and I was simply a go-alonger and they became go-alongers because I'm a go-alonger? Or they come to this church and they accompany Christ because I accompany Christ? You read the book of Acts. God raised up one or two people one named Jason, only about three verses about this guy. They bring him before the authorities. You know what they say? Hey, this is the man that has upset the world. What a, what a, what a privilege to be a follower and upset the world. How about upsetting your neighborhood? 
What about upsetting South Anchorage? Do you realize that we're only talking about a handful of men that upset the inhabited earth? That's what they said. Can you imagine if we started from Ron Witt and we went all the way over here and all of us were followers saying, all for Jesus, shoot me, I'm ready to die. I'll have nothing in my back pocket that I'll bring out at the very end. You can have my bank account, God. You can have my Cooper Landing cabin. That's a tough one. You can have my soccer ball. That's a tough one for some people in here. John said, don't mention my name, so I won't. I don't know what your trophy is. I don't know if your trophy is a Cooper Ladding cabin. I don't know if it's a Camry. I love Camrys. I don't know if it's a soccer ball that's been signed by everybody that won the World Cup. I don't know what your, I don't know what your trophy is. But I know what it needs to be. The trophy we need to have is the cross of Christ. If you want to know what it's all about, despising the shame, being encumbered with sin, his head was, his eyes were fixed like a flint. You see, if you ask these people, where are you going? Jerusalem Gazette interview. Where are you going? I don't know, he hasn't said anything yet. Probably over, uh, over in Galilee, we're in Perea right now. Maybe the next village. They had no idea. That's cheap grace. Costly grace says, yeah, we're going to that village. And the village after. And the village after. And we're going to go for the rest of our lives. I hope you're shod with great shoes. And in the distance, you're going to see Calvary. It's a hill. And to get there, you've got to go through Gethsemane. Thy will be done. We're talking about the cross of Christ. How can we hold anything back? He gave us all for us. And he honors us by saying, you can be my disciple? That's why I struggled in this passage. I think my first hour was more of a how can I teach this? My sec- second hour is like God says, you can't. But I've forgiven you. I'm empowering you. No one is perfect. Just preach it. This really has to do with sanctification and take heart. Nobody in here fully carries that cross every single day. We're commanded to. Matthew 5, 48. Be perfect like your Heavenly Father is perfect. But you'll drop it. And at times, you'll look both ways and you'll place it down. But you know, no one will be perfect before glory. He just says, be faithful. I don't know if you've burned any bridges. You've got to burn them all. No stragglers allowed. It's a narrow path. But as you go down one mile, two mile, a lifetime, don't be one of those on the side of the road sucking air. Be empowered by the Spirit of God. And you will upset the world. 
Go-alongers in verse 25 are casual believers. They're nominal believers. They feel very awkward when no one else is in the cabin and you say, have your quiet time. Talk to God for a day or two. Uh, What do I say? Say nothing. Invite him in as your guest. Like Mary, sit at his feet and listen to the word of God. You could also draw a heart over Luke chapter 14 as well. The cross really is Jesus' heart. He bore it all. There's a relationship going on here in Luke 14, and if you do not have a relationship with God, you will not be able to fill this list. You will look at it as a list of things to do, and you will fail. Is it a list? 45 seconds worth. And it's only possible because, again, of the power of God that you can and I can live this life. Well, again, I said I'm part of the problem. I am. How many people have I persuaded to come to know Jesus Christ as Savior and said, all you have to do is come to know Christ, your worries will be gone, you won't have problems, it's almost like a pill. You receive Jesus Christ as Savior, everything's going to be rosy. And the gospel truth is the fact that you come to know Jesus Christ, blood is shed, there's no works involved at all, he's done all the work for you, but that's not the full gospel. The full gospel is that we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We tell people how easy it is. And they go, really, piece of cake? Yeah, piece of cake. Four months later, they say, this isn't easy, this is hard. And in less than a year, they say, this isn't hard, this is impossible. It is impossible. And God loves impossibilities. He likes to take the few, the humble, the Christians. And this is our sword. I love that Marine commercial. I would love to parachute out of a plane and land in Afghanistan and greet an Afghan believer. They could preach this better than I could. I just have a person look at me once in a while sideways and I go, oh, persecution. He's not looking for millions. He is looking for the few. Yeah, it's tough to be a Navy SEAL, but can you imagine being the elite of the Navy SEALs and taking out bin Laden? He just needs a few. He just needs one. He just needs you. Here's the invitation. You come after me and say I'm a follower. We'll take five of us and we'll, we'll upset South Anchorage. <laughs> That'd be so awesome. You're offending me. Yeah. That's, that, that, by the way, when you offend people because you are a spirit-filled believer... Um, You may not be applauded by man, but Jesus Christ is up there (laughs) applauding you. You know, when someone tells me you cannot be, that's the first thing I want to say. Oh, yeah? (laughs) I want to be. I want to be. Look at verse 26. You cannot be my disciple. Look at verse 27. You cannot be my disciple. Look at verse 33. You cannot be. Be my disciple. And he doesn't take healthy like the Marines. They always have a physical checkup. You've got to be at your best. He takes only the unhealthy. Spiritually unhealthy, you come to the cross, he heals you, he forgives you, and then he says, go. I still remember that. Jim Elliott, that's the dream team of missions. You've got Nate Saint on that team and you have Jim Elliott on that team? 
Wow. And they go to school preparing to go to the Aka Indians in Ecuador? And believe me, I know what it costs for tuition. It's not cheap. And they study to get A's. And as they study, they're not just studying Christology to get an A. They're knowing the Christ of Christology. They're getting their A and they keep growing in God. And then they pray and they plan and they work and they drop goods down to that village because they finally find them. And then, the moment they've been waiting for for all these years, go. And in a couple of hours, they're all speared to death. And you say, was God slumbering? Was he sleeping? What happened? Where is he? Is your faith so fragile that you say, what happened? Jim Elliott, you know the quote. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot yeah, lose. The beauty of this passage, and I haven't even got to the message yet, the beauty of this passage is that you and I are invited to come and join him. <laughs> Has nothing to do with your age. Nothing to do with your personality. Nothing to do with your color of your skin. The culture you come from. Republican or Democrat. None of that's there. The invite is for all. But the demands are high. This one demands that you change your lifestyle. This one demands that you give him your life and surrender forever until you die. This one demands... You pick a life partner based upon his counsel. The only thing we don't have is verse 36 in chapter 14. I would love to find out how many people we're no longer following. (laughs) Wouldn't you? John chapter 6, he gives some words, kind of like this, but different. And the disciples hear it and they go, this is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? And then two verses later it says, many of the disciples were no longer following him. And so he turns to the twelve. He says, you, not, you will not also go, will you? You've got to love Peter. He said, where can we go? You have, you have words of eternal life. This is the most difficult life Jesus I have ever led I'm a pro at fishing. I was born to fish. But these nets are different. But I got to tell you something. It's an adventure. Every day. I don't want to accompany God. I don't want to be a go-alonger. There's too many of them. I want to follow in his footsteps. All right. So let's look at Luke chapter 14. And let's look at the three requirements that he has. I'm going to go through them briefly. We do have communion this morning. First of all, in verse 26 is the first requirement. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children. Now you know that he's not asking you to hate your wife. I've been married for 26, whoops, 27 years. (laughs) 
<laughs> don't even make my sense. 27 years with my wife. I don't hate her. I love her. I love my son sometimes. I love my, my daughters. But this is a Jewish idiom. It means hate them in your relationship to your love for God. That's a really hard one to do, but it's an easy one to gauge. Take your best friend. How much do you love that friend? Do you love God more? And if you love God more, something remarkable takes place. When you love God more than any relationship, every single relationship you have is Christ-like. Those that grieve because they've lost a loved one, Hokey Moore, married 67 years, he's 96 years old. Karen and I will be seeing him in about 10 weeks. You know where he wants to be? All his friends are dead. <laughs> when you live to be 96 years, it's like Methuselah. All the people you grew up, went to school with, are gone. He said, I, I long to be home with my God and my, and my wife. But because Jesus Christ wants me still here, I am willing to be here. Use me, God, any way you want. What about grief about someone who's alive, not walking with God? Maybe it's a son. And you've been praying for that son to receive Christ and walk with God for so many years. Keep praying. You have a hard time with somebody at the church? Forgive others as Jesus Christ has forgiven you. You want to make sure that you're pleasing to God in your relationships? Keep in mind, bad company corrupts good morals. You see, when you have a right relationship with God, everything else comes in place. But I like the fact in verse 25, really, and I didn't mention this before we go on to the second requirement. Jesus turns and says to them, a disciple, Bonhoeffer said, is not above his master. And Christianity without discipleship is always Christianity without Christ. I, let me say that again because it's so profound. The first one's simple, and, and you'll, you're like me, okay? And you're going to get it. But the second one, I'll say twice because it's, it's, it's more profound. Here's the first one. A disciple is not above his master. So we need to hate everybody except for, we need to love Jesus Christ more than all of our relationships. Okay? Disciples not above his master. It means learner, student. But the second one, Christianity without discipleship is always Christianity without Christ. Are you a student? Are you a learner? Then take heed to what God says. Hate all your relationships in comparison to your love for me. No exception. Not even your best friend. Secondly, in verse 27, carry your own cross and come after me. Every time you look at this passage as a follower or any passage, you're going to find the cross of Christ. What he means is, don't do what I saw one time when I was at Oregon State, a man with a white robe carrying a real heavy cross. Woke up at 3 in the morning. I was not saved, but I know, I knew, even as an unsaved person, this isn't Christianity. Two weeks later, on the back of a pickup, guess who I see? 40 miles down the road. The same guy with the same cross. And strong calves. 
No, what Jesus says, carry your own cross, he simply means crucify yourself when it comes to the world and when it comes to sin. The world, if you want to know what the world is, lust of the eyes, lust of flesh, pride of life. The world is anything that you see on commercials during the NBA finals or most things. We are in this world, but we are not to be of this world, and we are to die to the things of the world, the pleasures of the world. We are to die to sin. A dead man don't sin. We need to have our heart stopped when it comes to sin. Oh, how we stray. We are bent to stray. And Jesus Christ knows that. That's why he says, carry your own cross and die to sin. I love uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 7 through 11. Uh, Paul is talking about bearing the, the death of Christ in his body twice. So that Jesus Christ and the resurrection can be manifested. Every time you die to sin, tough as it is, you reveal the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is holy. So many songs today had to do with the holiness of God, the holiness of God. Is it any one of the world looks at us and says, anybody can be a Christian? Because they see us come to church. And they see us, sometimes we just live like hell during the week, except Sundays. And then... They go, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm better than they are. Die. And then the third, verse 33. Give all your possessions. Therefore, no one of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. I'm glad he used the word all, because that means anything, all things. And it doesn't mean you're a wanderer. It doesn't mean you are a beggar going through life. You can be a very wealthy person and... Give all your possessions. Job had them all taken from him. And then he worshipped, it says, and he said, The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the God. You can be a poor man and not give anything. I love that widow. The lepta she gave, which comes from leaf. If it was a strong current wind on the way to the treasury, the wind would just take it away. Jesus said she gave everything she had, more than all the people who've given everything all day today as we've been sitting here watching. What a great object lesson for the disciples. The object lesson for us is that we hold many things in our hands and lose them all. Whatever we give to God, that we still possess. Martin Luther said that. We're not to be beggars. Go out and work. Pay your bills. But of heart, say, I'm willing to give it all. I'm willing to give it all to God. And God will look at your heart. I remember that one follower. I think it's in the book of Luke. Chapter escapes me. He uh, says, God, I've done this and this and this and this and this. He had his own checklist. (laughs) And Jesus looked at him. He knows all men. He said, you're right. You've done them all. There's only one thing you have not done. Do it and follow me. The guy's ready. What is it? Give all you possess. Feed the poor. Follow me. You know, there's like a great pause in heaven. What's he going to do? What's he going to do? What's he going to do? Next verse. He walked away sad 
for he was a wealthy man and had many possessions. He may have come back. I don't know. What a sad story. Don't walk out of this building today without being a follower. Have you been going along with him and accompanying him all these years and going to church because you're supposed to? You've missed the whole heart of this passage. This is a heart relationship. It's not a list of things to do. And so he begs us. Oh, and I should read this, Bonhoeffer. The cross of Christ is laid on every Christian. We give our lives to his death. To endure the cross is not a tragedy. It's the fruit to an, to an exclusive allegiance to Jesus Christ. It's the fruit to an exclusive allegiance to Jesus Christ. Manifest yourself. Manifest Christ. We are to hate. We are to carry our cross. We are to give all our possessions. And then, secondly, we are to... Those are the three requirements. And secondly, we are to count the cost. Notice verse 28 to 32. talks about the tower and it talks about a battle. And uh, Jesus wants us to spiritually succeed. Count the cost... The word calculate, when it comes to the armies, the word counsel has to do with the mind. Think. Before you sign anything, make sure you have given it some serious contemplation whether you're willing to sign. And once you put your signature down, you're accountable. I heard of a man, and he had this list. He wrote everything down, signed the name, offered it to God. God was not moved. And he knew God was not moved. And it seemed as though God was convincing this man to take that paper, throw it away, get a new piece of paper. And he did. This time, God said, don't write anything on it, but sign your name at the bottom. Let God fill in the blanks. Maybe you'll be in Afghanistan, parachuting down and fellowshipping with an Afghan believer. Just talk to... Steve Galvin, back from Afghanistan, he says there's believers there. Not very many, but there's believers there. What the... Man. Calculate, counsel. He wants you to succeed. He wants us to finish the course, fight the good fight daily. He wants us to live for Christ because to die is gain. Don't carry the cross on Monday and Tuesday. Every single day of the week... And to succeed, you will be salt. All right, Mrs. Fancher. Hope I'm saying this right. Sodium chloride. It is a... Um, <laughs> it's a constant, isn't it? I mean, it's, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't lose its saltiness. Unless... Unless... Stable compound is the word I was looking for. Unless it's diluted with an impurity. We have been raised to be salt. We've been raised to be light. You get the message. If you're half committed, if you take number one, but not two and three, or if you take 90% of the first requirement, 90% of the second, and 90% of the third, you're doomed. You will fail. 
You will not be salt. Just think of us all. Sodium chlorides walking around. That's how Mrs. Fancher thinks. She teaches chemistry here at Grace. That's why I'm picking on her right now. Uh, C.S. Lewis, you've read some of his books. Listen to what he has to say about this passage. The Christian way is different. Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time, so much of your money, so much of your work. I want you. I have not come to torment your natural self, but to kill it. No half measures are any good. I don't want to cut off a branch here and a branch there. I want to have the whole tree down. I don't want to drill the tooth or crown it or stop it. I want to have it out. Hand over the whole natural self, all the desires which you think innocent as well as the ones you think wicked, the whole outfit. I wrote some distinguishing characteristics of what I call a go-alonger versus a follower because you may be thinking, man, I hope I'm a follower. Here's just a couple. Go-alongers. They receive Christ, yet they pick and choose what they want to do. A follower, their theme, if the Lord wills. A go-alonger. They rarely seek God's counsel through word or for prayer. The follower, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Pray without ceasing. And at 1500 bucks an ounce, do you love the word of God more than refined gold? Three, a, f- a go-alonger runs out of spiritual steam, especially under tests and trials. Acts chapter 1, 8 for the follower. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Dunamis, dynamite. A go-alonger, unable to enter the body, shake every hand, engage every eye without a heartfelt smile. You make exceptions to the body of Christ. A follower, forgive others as Jesus Christ has forgiven you. Number five. A go-alonger is caught up with worries and troubles of the world. A follower, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. A go-alonger consistently whines and complains in life in general. A follower, rejoice in the Lord always again. I say rejoice. Jesus Christ, Hebrews 12, for the joy, for the joy endured the cross. Number seven. Seldom speak naturally of love of your life. I'm not talking about your wife. I talk about Karen all the time. Seldom speak naturally of the love of your life. Or when others do, you feel extremely uncomfortable. Followers are not ashamed of Jesus Christ. And then finally, a go-alonger, inconsistent tither. Their money is theirs. Has nothing to do with anyone else. You work for it. You earned it. It's yours. Bring it to the bank. Make a half percent interest. Or lay it in God's hands and make a zillion percent interest. 
1519, Cortez outfitted some ships from Cuba to land on the coast of Mexico. When they got there, Cortez ordered all the men to take out the yardage, the sails, the metal fittings, the cannon, and then he ordered the ships to be burned. Frightful thing to be a sailor with your back to a hostile beach and a mysterious continent. That's what Christ is asking you to do. He doesn't want a portion of your life. He wants you all. He didn't die for half of you. He died for your entire self. And I believe that God right now is quietly raising up followers on every continent, and the world will say, where did they come from? I want to be one. Do you? Let's pray.